Hey everyone, real quick before we jump in, I absolutely love doing this podcast and I truly hope you've enjoyed listening. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would show your support by going to the anchor link and then clicking the support button. Either a one-time donation or, even better, a small monthly donation would be very much appreciated. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Karen Isn't Always Right. My guest today is Jim Linders, Marijuana Enforcement Officer for the Fort Collins, Colorado Police Department. He gave us the police officer perspective of customer service today and shared some fantastic insight into keeping cool under pressure, emotional intelligence, empathy, and even some verbal judo. I have an immense amount of respect for him, and I think he brought a ton of great stuff to the conversation today. So, here's Jim. Morning, Jim. Good morning, Chris. How you doing? Good, good. How are you today? I'm excellent. Beautiful, beautiful morning. Sun rose and the smoke's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to the Karen Isn't Always Right podcast. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Good to see you again. Likewise, it's been a little while. Um, so we know each other. Uh, how? Why don't you tell our audience who you are and kind of how we know each other? Um, I'm a police officer. I work in Northern Colorado, and I've worked off-duty jobs at one of the theaters that you used to manage. So in the course of that, you and I had conversations professionally and, and kind of found we had some common interests and some common way of dealing with things, and our friendship built from there. Yeah, yeah. Very grateful for our friendship, to be honest with you. So, and, uh, and miss you. Yeah, I haven't seen you since I had to... Well, a combination of things, really, because I probably wouldn't have seen you anyway, but a combination mm -hmm. of moving down to a different theater and COVID, so both, both mm -hmm. kind of interrupted things, but uh, it's been nice to be able to keep in touch with you, and a pleasure to have you on the show. I've, I've been trying to mix it up a little bit, and not that I don't appreciate my, my theater industry buddies coming on and, uh, and some other retail folks, but um, having a police officer on the show is, is definitely a nice change of pace. And I think you'll, you'll add a different perspective um, to the show. So um, we talked a, a few days ago kind of about the show and, and what I was looking for from you. And can you, are you able to tell us what your role is within the police department? Because that's what was interesting. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, as a cop, I'm always going to make clear that I'm here speaking on my own behalf today. Um, but my history is I work for Fort Collins Police. I've been there almost 21 years. Um, I'm 53 years old. That's a little bit significant to our conversation and my life experience. Um, I became a park ranger in Iowa at 19. So public service has, has been my life um, in the context of my current job at Fort Collins Police. I've done a lot of different things. I've been a patrol cop, a DUI enforcement officer, um, a crimes against persons detective. Um, uh, my ancillary job is I'm an assistant team leader on the crisis negotiation crew of the SWAT team. And, and all those things play into my skill set of how, how I got to customer service. I mean, at, at the end of the day, and, and your, your podcast is just awesome because whether you're a, a police officer or a theater manager, or a customer service person at a big box store, you deal with disagreeable people daily. Yeah. So everybody improving their skill set. And certainly I think that's pertinent to a COVID experience. 
all of that is harder than it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's who I am. Great. So have you, have you still been doing off duty stuff during COVID or has that calmed down quite a bit? I know that. It, it's calmed down quite a bit. Um, that it's, it's increasing again. So your viewers know what that means an, an off duty job. So a, a police officer, whatever their role works, works a 40 hour schedule of some sort, but various entities will hire a police officer for security, traffic direction, something like that. So a movie theater, um, specific churches, um, a, perhaps a road race, um, and, and an officer can sign up for those. So that's not paid by the government. And it's a, I choose to sign up or I don't choose to sign up for it. Um, so in the movie theater context, I like working those jobs. You know, I'm a detective right now. I'm a marijuana enforcement officer, which is a whole side conversation, but I don't wear a uniform every day. I don't have contact with the public every day like a patrol cop does. So I really found working a movie theater security job to be gratifying because it's frankly fun for me to put a uniform on again. And it's the contact with the public was always very positive. Um, it was pretty fulfilling in a police job to work a shift at the theater and have people come up and tell you that they appreciate you. Thank you for your service. Um, in, a, in a police atmosphere, especially right now when there's a lot of negativity in the world, that positive feedback from the public, frankly, feels really good to a cop. So I, I want you to understand that, yeah, we work these jobs for extra money or however that looks in your personal budget, but I also work it and I know a lot of cops really appreciate the positive feedback they get from a theater goer. Yeah, I always uh, was really uh, impressed by that. Every single time that I was in the lobby, just kind of chatting with you or, or one of the other officers, um, it was just pretty awesome to see, you know, whether it was a little kid coming up and just saying thank you or, or just adults, you know, just saying they appreciate what you guys do um, or just appreciate you being there and just how pleasant most, most people were. You get one-offs here and there. But, uh, yeah, as, I'd say as a general rule, man, everybody was super positive. Good. Um, it was just really, really cool to see. Um, I always enjoyed having you guys there because pretty much every single one of the officers that I ever spent time around has been amazing. Um, and I've developed some some good friendships, whether it was with you or Nick or when I was in Greeley, I, I uh, became friends with some of the some of the officers out there. Uh, it's just been it's been really cool to develop to develop some of those friendships. One um, instance that stands out to me um, in our relationship and you working at the theater, and this is one of the reasons that I invited you on the show, is um, there was a moment, I wanna think, I wanna say it was like Christmas day, but I don't think it was. I think maybe it was around that time. Correct, correct me if mm -hmm. I'm wrong. But there was a guy uh, who was really just kind of going bananas in the theater, uh, freaking out about mm -hmm. one thing or another. If I recall, he had been filming. Um, it was Christmas day, wasn't it? Would you? I think it was too. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, and so. He was pissed about something. Christmas, for, for anybody listening, Christmas Day in, in the movie theater industry is typically one of the busier days of the year. And, uh, and it's also one of the days where a lot of employees like to call off because they're <coughs> sick. Um, sure. You know, it's Christmas. Totally. I get it. Um, but we were actually fairly well staffed that day. And this guy came in and just, you know, I had to wait in line like a lot of people have to wait in line and was not happy with that. And then just started really raising a ruckus in the lobby and yelling at my employees and ultimately was filming my employees. And so I finally come into the lobby and he decides to kind of start laying into me a little bit. And me being 
uh, who I am, I could feel it well up inside of me, the, you know, the anxiety and the temper that I have and things like that. I feel like in the moment I was doing a fairly good job externally. Um, but you know, I could feel the emotions inside. And then all of a sudden I felt a hand on my shoulder from behind and I had no idea what was going on. I did not know who that was. And so I, I got a little bristled, but then when I turned and saw behind me, it was Jim just letting me know that he was there you know, and then that, in that instance, I immediately felt better. And it's amazing the calming effect that you had on me in that moment. And not just me, but as you kind of assisted with the conversation with this guy, uh, he even started to calm down. And, and it just amazed me the, the approach that you have and the, uh, the emotional intelligence that you have. I know a lot of that probably comes with the job, but I think mm -hmm. an individual have a very calming influence. I mean, every single time I've ever talked to you, you just, you're just very calm. You have this great demeanor. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm very envious of it at times because I wish I, I had that within me, but I'm just a high strung person to be honest. And so I guess I wanted to kind of talk to you about that and, um, you know, is that inherent in your nature? Does that come with the, did you learn that through the job? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. All, all the above. Cool. Um, I'm from a small town in South Dakota. You know, I think, and I, I've listened to some of your other podcasts where you talked about do uh, people having this ability naturally. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, yes, maybe. But, but the point of our podcast is to help everybody improve their skill set. Yeah. So, yeah, I was that kid when we were teenagers and we went hunting and we didn't ask permission to be on the farmer's land and the farmer came out and yelled at us. My friends always said, Jim, go talk to him. You'll, you'll get us out of trouble. <laughs> I can't really explain why, but I usually did get us out of trouble. So, so yeah, I, I think I've always been maybe good at that, but I, I have to say I spent lots of years talking way too much to hear myself talk and listening way too little. So, so let's not think that, I mean, I, I said earlier, I'm 53 years old. That's significant to the conversation because I've had a lot of time in a career to make mistakes, frankly, and then refine a skill set. So, you know, think about being a park ranger in rural Iowa, which is where my law enforcement career started. You know, it was me, the park ranger and two deputies in the whole county. Oh, wow. So you had to learn to use your verbal skills to get what you wanted. Um, to get compliance in the park setting because you weren't going to get help. You didn't just get to arrest everybody, so to speak, and take them to jail. And at the end of the day, the parallel to your industry is I want the camper or the park visitor to come back to my park. Sure. Just like you want someone to come back to your theater. So I have to follow the rule of the day or whatever the situation demands, but yet I have to treat them with dignity and respect because they're my customer. Mm -hmm. I want them to return. Um, over time, you know, I become a police officer, I become a DUI enforcement officer, I hunted drunk drivers all night long. So that that added to my skill set, because if you were sober and polite, I let you go. If you were drunk and obnoxious and on drugs and in, in various states of, of chemical abuse, well, then then you're you're who I want to get off the road and who I spent more time on. Yeah. So that, that helped me hone my skills into, you know, dealing with erratic people, drunk people, and that type of thing. Um, the next step in my career, I become a detective in a crimes against persons unit. So ever, you know, my, my job is homicide investigations, serious violent crime, child predator, internet types of things. So, so now I'm dealing with a, well, both 
witnesses, victims, and suspects, and each of those is a little bit different. But I think that's where I really learned to hone my skill set to stop talking so much, to listen more, to listen to what words were being used, what body language is being conveyed, what nonverbal cues were being sent. And that really, and certainly I had training along the way and I've been sent to lots of formal classes, but that in, in conjunction with experience helped me narrow that focus into listen more, talk less. Um, so for example, in, in the situation you described, I walk into that and I can see your staff and you, and I can see this person who's pretty animated. But also as I walk up, I'm watching and I'm trying to, to learn context of what am I walking into? Well, Chris is doing a good job of, of the situation. So, you know, my thought process is I don't need to walk in and take over this conversation because A, he doesn't need it. He's doing a pretty good job. I could feel your tension, certainly. That's why I put my hand on your shoulder. I, want, I wanted you to have the reassurance that I was there while not taking over the conversation. And in other circumstances, maybe that's necessary, be it the cop or the manager, but, but I didn't think it was in that case. Mm -hmm. You know, my thinking is also in that circumstance, I want to empower you. It's your theater. Sure. And, and, and again, my body language assessment is you're doing a good job. Um, and I think you said it very well. You might have had internal anxiety going, but externally you were, you were spot on. So how do I help? How do I, I don't want a crime. I don't want an assault or something like that to occur. But I also just want this person to keep doing their job right and know that they're doing a good job. Um, and, and I mean, I, I have the good fortune of being a police officer. It's different, right? I'm the cop. I'm, I should be quote looking good in a clean uniform and, you know, have that our, our, our term is officer presence. Yeah. Right. To the mere presence of a police officer is, is considered a show of force, right? I look good. I have a uniform. I'm clean, good looking. Um, that conveys a message to the public. So that was, that was how I perceived that gotcha. situation. And, and, you know, it, it leads me to some of the things that I really was thinking about as I prepared for today. What, how does that translate to your staff? And, and I'm going to use some of the words that you've used because they're really valuable. So you, you said in one of your podcasts, and help me if I'm, I'm missing it, um, lose the argument, win the customer. Or, or work. Essentially, yeah, win the customer, not the argument, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, don't lose the argument, but exactly. Yeah. I read a book, you know, in the course of my career card called Verbal Judo, and mm -hmm. it speaks to something parallel. It says, you, the other person, can have the last word as long as I, the police officer, get the last action. So in a police context, you can call me a blankety blank, 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 as long as when I've asked you to leave, if that's the situation, you do it. Mm -hmm. um, and in your, your world, the same thing. We want that person to come back to the theater, but, but in the context of our podcast, there's a reason we're having to deal with a Karen, yep. with an unhappy customer. So, and, and the same is true in law enforcement, right? Okay, there are times when I, I verbally or physically have to, quote, kick somebody out of mm -hmm. a situation. but in the context of my city, I'm probably going to deal with that person again. Yeah. So, I mean, it, that's just reality. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so that the same thing applies. How do I treat that person 
in the context of I, I need to achieve a, a, a goal, whether that's asking them to leave the theater or dealing with their customer service complaint or whatever the case may be. It's, uh, it's interesting. I, I recently um, got a new supervisor. And so we were doing an orientation the other day over Teams, uh, another good, <laughs> good opportunity for, the, for these online meetings. And uh, he's a funny guy. I really like him a lot. And when he was uh, using the movie Roadhouse as an example of customer uh, service, oh, you familiar absolutely. with that movie? Yeah. And yep. so for anybody who has not seen the movie Roadhouse, it's 80s gold. I'm just saying right now you should go out and rent it. But uh, there's, this, there's this part in there where Patrick Swayze, who's the main character, is doing his own orientation, uh, so to speak. For, they're bouncers in a, in a really rough bar up uh, kind of semi-rural Missouri. And he's talking to all of his bouncers about being nice. And, you know, no matter what the customer is doing, be nice. If you have to kick them out, be nice. You know, every single moment of it is no matter what they're doing to you, still be nice to them. And that's something that's kind of struck me as well with what I have to do in my own industry and probably what you have to do uh, quite often, or especially patrol, patrol officers is still be nice, you know, no matter, no matter what's going on, because, they're still citizens, you know, they still live in the city. And like you said, you may have to see them again. Um, and so that's just, that's just stuck, uh, stuck out at me. Uh, I think it, it's, it's very true. It, yeah. it is very true. I, I will tell you, I was raised with Midwestern manners. Yes, yes, sir. No, sir. Please, thank you. Mm -hmm. And that has served me well in a, in a law enforcement context. I, there's video of me using physical force on people while saying, please. <laughs> and I've had district attorneys call me and go, do you know that you said, please, when you <laughs> applied a knee strike or whatever the situation was? And I'm like, I don't even know I'm saying it. Sit yeah. down, please. Yeah. It is just part of my vernacular, but, but it also is just part of the Midwestern manners. And, and you're right. Take that to any situation in it. It makes a difference, I think, and and at a minimum, it can't hurt you. Sure, yeah. but I, I think it makes. You know, another thing that I I thought of to talk about, and I know you've you've talked about it before, but I'll really emphasize is never take it personally. Mm -hmm. um, in law enforcement, we teach they're complaining at the badge, they're yelling yeah. at the badge, yeah. not Jim Lenders, the badge, yeah, or, or in your case, the name tag, so to speak, the identity of the manager, the representative of the company, yeah. Yeah. So just never, ever, ever take that personally. And I guess when you speak to emotional intelligence, that is emotional intelligence to me. Mm -hmm. um, I never take it personally, even frankly, if it is personal. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, I've been in court with defense attorneys who were, it is personal and they're berating me. Mm. But I have to catch myself and go, let it go. Because in both a law enforcement context and in a theater customer service context, you have to let it go because the shift's not over, frankly. Yeah. Right? If, if your manager has a negative experience with a Karen two hours into an eight-hour shift, I'm sorry, you don't get to be shitty, frankly, <laughs> for the next six hours. Yeah, yeah. In, or go home. Right. Yeah, you, you, you just don't get to do that. In, in police work, you take calls for service for a 10-hour shift. And if I have a negative experience in hour number two, I have to let that go because I'm going to emotionally let go of this call for service because there are literally 20 more coming. Yeah. So it could I, I be worse. To, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
um, I, I have a story of that nature. I remember being in a, a college riot situation many years ago. I mean, where we're being thrown rocks and bottles at us and, and we have to use um, tear gas. And again, a number of years ago, and we've got masks on with the face masks and all the stereotypical riots and all, all that riot gear and that sort of stuff. Well, we, we resolved that situation and there's four hours left in our shift. And I can remember another officer wearing his riot helmet the rest of the shift. Interesting. Well, he couldn't come out of riot mode. Okay. I mean, in, in his mind, uh, the rest of the shift is not a riot. The rest of the shift is just like the other 300 days a year that you went to work. Yeah. Um, and, and that officer struggled in, in, in the career to, to figure that out. And, and now, now having seen that and being a senior officer, if that happened again, I would pull that person aside and go, Hey, let's talk for a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. Let's get you out of riot mode. Yeah. And, and in a management concept, you may have to do that too. Hey, employees, let's stand yeah. aside. Yeah. Let's have some discussion for a minute and get you out of that brain set. The, the riot helmet needs to come off because the shift is not over. And we're not going to treat the next customer on a low-level call as a riot. Right. It's, it's not the case. Yeah, we have um, part of our mission statement is one customer at a time. It's kind of our mantra. Um, sure. And the idea behind it is, yeah, every single guest is different. You know? So just because the guest sitting in front of you right now is a Karen doesn't mean that the next one is. And a lot of times in a, from a, a cashier standpoint, you know, the cus the next customer witnessed the Karen situation as it's typically nicer. So you have, you can kind of have that to look forward to. They're usually empathetic to whatever or sympathetic to whatever just happened. Um, and that is something we try, you know, I try to teach employees. I try to teach managers is like, look, yeah, you do, you need to decompress whether you got to take a walk around the building, take 10 minutes, whatever it is so that you can kind of calm down. And I have to do that too. I mean, if I've just dealt with a particularly difficult guest, I will. In fact, some of my managers in Fort Collins used to give me a hard time because they called it my path. And so they knew like, <laughs> if, I came, if I came to the office after a difficult guest, I'd go to my office, sit for a second, but then I'd probably get up, walk out the door, and then they could hear me go out the exit doors at the end of the hall, you know, just down the way from, from the office. And they knew that I would basically walk around the building and then come back in and I'd usually be okay. Do you, do you have any advice or insight into, you know, maybe maybe how you are able to kind of decompress or how you're able to have that emotional intelligence to not take it personal? Absolutely. And it's fun to watch how law enforcement evolves. You know, cops tend to be type A rock and roll personalities, but we're having to learn and adjust too. a very good lieutenant friend of mine is also a yoga instructor and she has brought some deep breathing exercises to her patrol shift. So imagine that, right? Patrol cops in a briefing being taught to deep breathe. It, it didn't go, I imagine, very well the first time. Right. But they're starting to slowly get it that, huh, this might make a difference for me. Yeah. This might help me decompress after a call and, and let go. Um, so, I mean, it's right down to deep breathing, which you can do in your police car, yeah. in your office of your theater, whatever the case may be. Do you know, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt, do you know Jocko Willink? Do you know who that mm -hmm. is? Yep, I, I know who that is. I listen to a lot of his stuff, and he's talked about box breathing in the in the Navy SEALs, and that they'll mm -hmm. do that to de-stress during high high intensity situations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you know, having a person to talk to, cops communicate with cops, or having a co-manager, somebody 
somebody like that. Um, and, and it takes practice mm -hmm. and, and recognize your signals um, and recognize your, your teammates' signals that they're not dealing well with a particular situation. Yeah. Um, another strength that, that has served me well is, you know, back to that, it's not personal. It's not personal if I'm not the right person to deal with this individual, right? It doesn't mean I failed. Um, my story is another officer uh, who's, who's a very dear partner of mine. Um, several years ago, we're at a domestic violence call. And it, there's not a criminal charge. This couple's just not getting along well. And our, our concern is if one of them doesn't leave for the night to cool off, we're going to come back and someone will lose their temper and maybe a crime will occur. So we're really trying to, to mediate this situation. While I'm talking to one half, uh, the male, and he's talking to the other half, the female, and both of us are pretty skilled, skilled with our verbal skills, but for whatever reason, it's not working. Okay. He hates me and she hates him. Yeah. It is just not working. And some officers are locked into, well, I'm going to get the last word, darn it. Yeah. And, and this other officer and I can look at each other across the room and give each other a little hand signal and say, hey, let's switch places. Yeah. And, and we switch places. And in five minutes, the situation is resolved. One party has agreed to leave and we never went back to that house again. Good. And, and that's a significant interpersonal skill to say, it's okay that he didn't like whatever my best work was today. It's not, it's not a negative right. against me. Right. Just for whatever reason, the, the thing of the day didn't work. And the it's dynamic okay. wasn't there, yeah. Right, it wasn't yeah. there. So that doesn't mean I'm less than. And, and I say that because a lot of people can't get over that. Mm -hmm. and, and that's back to the, I have to have the last word. There's ego in there, yeah. Totally right. Yeah, and, yeah. and it is just not helpful to the situation. It's emotionally intelligent to get over that shit. Yeah. I've, I've learned that lesson the hard way a couple of times throughout my career. And then as I've, as I've gained more experience and, and years and age as well, uh, I, I learned that. And I've, I've tried to teach my managers that as well, where you can, it, it's just like you said, it's okay. And in fact, encouraged if things aren't going well, if the, if there's just a personality conflict or whatever it is to just say, let me get someone else that can help you, you know, right. With, you know, I'm not able, I'm, I'm certainly not able to, to, you know, make the situation better. And I want to get somebody who can, and I've even done that. Look, I'm the general manager, you know, quote unquote, the top dog in the place or whatever. And I've gone to get an assistant manager to take my place because I'm just not clicking with the person. It doesn't happen super often, but you know, when it does, you, like you said, you have to recognize that and, and be willing to put your ego aside and make that change. I think it's very helpful. Well, yeah, I, I, I do too. And that's not to say that we always relieve that person. Mm -hmm. I mean, that person that, that didn't, didn't do it today needs to, to learn a skill set, but I don't think that's mm -hmm. what either one of you and I are talking about. Right. But you also just brought up something that I, that I really want to highlight in your personal skill set. You role model for the entire staff. I mean, I watched it constantly when I was at your theater um, and I watched your staff after you left <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Right. Because the, the test of a good staff is what do they do when I'm not here? And and because you always modeled good behavior, be it a negotiation, you know, with a customer like that, so to speak, or frankly, Chris, I watch you sweep popcorn off the floor. <laughs> but when you're gone, the staff does the same thing. Yeah. 
um, be it a, a, a your lowest new employee high school kid or one of your managers. They they notice the little things like that, and and that is really great modeling. Okay, if the general manager has time to grab a little broom and clean up this little mess, I should too. Yeah, I, I agree. It is important. Yeah. Because, you know, I've, I've always told, uh, you know, when I'm doing orientations or training or anything of that nature, you know, look, I'm, I'm never going to ask you to do something I haven't already done myself. You know, mm-hmm. you know and we, <laughs> I've done some nasty things, you know, and I even try to measure that out as well. You know, I try not to give them too much, too much crap, but, you know, it comes with the job sometimes just because we don't want to do something doesn't mean that problem goes away and we're in customer yeah. service, so. Hey, I wanted to take a tangent if I could for a minute. Sure. Talk about ma- talk about masks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I heard the the mask discussion in in one of your other podcasts and a little bit about how law enforcement might perceive that. Mm-hmm. That that sometimes puts us in an odd position because we're not really intended to be the mask police. Yeah. At at our agency, um, if uh, it's the business's role. So if the business called and said, hey, a customer came in, they didn't have a mask, we asked them to put a mask on, and then they said no, and and maybe a negative confrontation occurred, law enforcement's job would be to come and say, sir, you've been asked to wear a mask or leave, because then the crime would be trespassing. Sure. No, we don't want to write, I mean, our goal would not be to write a ticket, but but our goal would be to get compliance. So, sir, you've been asked to leave the business. Mm Mm-hmm. You will, you will, so that would be our way of supporting. And it kind of puts us in an, in a unique position, um, but also a mediation position. And I, I want to tell you a story about what happened to me a couple of weeks ago. The life is a weird place right now. Yeah. And without delving too deep into politics, wear your mask. I mean, let's all, we want the economy to stay open, whether it's a hundred percent health or, or they're not right or partially right. If I wear my mask, and I get to go to work every day and your business stays open and the next business stays open, then that's a win. Yeah. And I personally never perceived wearing a mask as a personal right. That just does not make any sense to me. We have speed limits yep. because, right, exactly. Because we need to maintain public safety. Um, I was in a, and I'm going to use the name of the store because it's a positive. Um, I was in a Menards um, several weeks ago with my stepson um, to purchase some some home goods and we had our masks on and we're coming out in line and there's a a person and I didn't really even notice them because they were behind me that didn't have a mask on and a a customer service person came from the counter and very politely told the the individual ma'am store policy says you need to have a mask so could you please put a mask on Mm -hmm. and she was very artful in the way she did it and the customer um, didn't have a mask, and they pulled their shirt up over their nose, and the nonverbal cues were just scathing. Yeah, daggers. Yeah, she was pissed that she got called out to have to wear a mask, and 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 we worked our way out of the store, and 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 not really a confrontation occurred, but again, the verbal cues from this person were daggers. Hmm. So I left, and my stepson asked me what I thought about that, and as we're driving home, I thought. Well, what I think about that is that customer service person is very likely to get a phone call complaint today yep. for doing her, her job, which is never intended to be her job, but welcome to the COVID world we're in. Mm-hmm. So I called the store and I said, watch this. <laughs> so I called the store and guess who answered the phone? Is it that manager? That manager. Yeah. 
because I'd, I'd noticed her, her name tag and I, and I identified myself and I said, Here, here's the deal. I was just in the store. I just watched you ask this person to wear their mask and I thought you handled it very professionally. That's awesome. And I said, I'm going to tell you that I want to be healthy and I'm not here to get into the politics, but if you just didn't worry about masks when everybody else is supposed to wear them, I'm probably not going to visit your store mm -hmm. because I choose to stay healthy and, and I don't want to be a spreader and all, all of those different things. So thank you for doing your job. And there was kind of this awkward silence. Yeah. Because she didn't, she didn't expect that. Sure. Yeah. She's probably on edge at first. Totally was. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I would like to talk to your general manager because I'd like to tell him what or her, whoever that is, what a nice job you did. And again, awkward silence. Yep. <laughs> so this, this man comes on the phone, identifies himself as the general manager. And I told the same story. And I said, I wanted to tell you what a good job your employee did. She was professional. She followed the rules. Um, and I know the person, you know, threw daggers, you know, emotional daggers at her. But I just want your, you to know that your staff person handled this very well. And there was another several second awkward pause. And he said, you're the first person to ever call and compliment us. Yeah. Because we absolutely get complaints on a daily basis yeah. about enforcing the mask rule. And we're in such an awkward position. We want our store to stay open, but there's this rule that we have to follow. So I guess I just wanted to throw out, make a difference in the world if you can. It took me no effort to make this phone call and, and prevent this person who did their job quite effectively, by the way, from getting a complaint because yeah. that would just be wrong. So that's awesome that you did that. Yeah. I appreciate you doing that because as someone in customer service, I will say it hasn't been as bad as we all were anticipating it would be as we reopened, but we still see it from time to time. And it is an awkward position because it is really a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation because it is so divided. You know, you have one faction that doesn't want to wear masks and another that absolutely does. And like you just said, you if you saw that the mask policy wasn't being enforced, you probably wouldn't want to return. And some people will complain about that. And, but on the flip mm -hmm. side, you have people that are going to complain because you are enforcing the mask policy. And so it's just really a no-win situation from a customer service standpoint. And so we just do the right thing and enforce the policy and look out for people's safety. And um, it blows my mind a little bit, though, how many people I see uh, in stores that refuse to wear a mask, even though it is mandated by the governor. And it's, and, and they seem surprised when they're told to put a mask on, even though there's signs on the windows when you walk in, there's signs all over, you know, and it's like, you're, you're just being petuous. Is that the right word? <laughs> like It is. I, petulant. I it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know. Yeah. Let's all, let's all work together and, mm -hmm. and try to beat this deal. And, and, and again, I, they're working as hard as they can to figure it out. The science yeah. isn't perfect. But if I wear this little piece of cloth over my face and it makes 2% different difference, I'm that doing it. a difference, yeah. I'm going to do it. And, I, and I'm going to support the people that do it. And I live in a small town north of Fort Collins, and we have a small town hardware store and lots of farm and ranch people. And 99% of them come prepared and wear a mask. Yeah. And, and they're very isolated. I mean, they don't live in town and they're not with people every day, but by golly, if they can put a mask on and make the time to do it, let's be supportive. Let's yeah. Yeah. I can, the right thing. I can guarantee you though, when you called and you, you at, you know, got that manager hurt, she immediately bristled. I guarantee it. Cause that's happened to me so many times where, and it's so wonderful to get someone who calls with something good. You know, it really does make the day as much as it can kind of ruin a day when you get the negative ones. It, 
the the positive ones far outweigh the negative stuff because they're they're less frequent you know but man when i've answered the phone someone will call and then box office will call me hey there's someone on the phone that wants to speak to the general manager and that's right. not always a good sign and so you're just like god damn it so you pick up the phone and you're just expecting you know daggers through the phone and so when it turns out to be something nice it really it does make the day and and especially when they do want to say something to your supervisor you know i don't always take compliments well a lot of people don't um but it's nice when my boss gets gets something positive instead of something negative so well let's talk about the negative complaints for a second so because it happens in both of our industries mm -hmm. reputation helps you and, and it helps a, a staff member, but also honesty. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we all do our best, but we're imperfect beings and maybe we had a bad day. So, you know, bad news does not get better with age, so to speak. Yeah. So, so if we had a, a negative confrontation with somebody, communicate with a supervisor. Hey, this happened today. Here's what I said. You know, here's why I said it. Just know that you might get a complaint. Yeah. Um, but back to that yes or no sir politeness thing that we had, that's part of reputation. If a given employee's reputation is for always being positive, and, and then, I mean, in law enforcement, I've gotten complaints, but they're rare. And, and then a, a sergeant or whoever has to take that complaint can go, well, this is a different experience. This person rarely gets complaints. Mm -hmm. And then be honest, you know, as an employee, if you're speaking to your supervisor, just be honest. E even if you made a mistake, probably especially if you made a mistake, own yep. it. Yep. Oh, own it. Hey, I didn't do my best work on this. Hey, they got my goat or whatever the case may be. I probably should have handled this better. Yeah. I mean, far, far better for that to happen than, than someone to have video or something of you to prove you you were wrong just be honest we're all human we all try to to achieve goals and we're not always there absolutely that's another Jocko thing he's got a book called extreme ownership that I listened to a couple times over the summer and it is extreme but I you know it's it's definitely a sign of character and integrity if you're able to just own up to your mistakes I mean every single leadership book I've ever read talks about being willing to as a leader admit to your mistakes um, but I also think even beyond that, it's a good idea to let your, your supervisor know ahead of time to prepare them so they're not blindsided by this guest complaint. And then they've, got, they've already got the other side, which may have been exaggerated by the customer. They typically are um, because mm -hmm. the customer wants to make their point. So now they've got that side, then, they, then they're playing. Now you have to react to that as opposed to just giving your, your boss a heads up and saying, look, this is what happened. And I've had to do that. I've made mistakes. And in fact, um, shortly after reopening, we had, we had an, a mask issue actually. And, you know, it was an unfortunate situation where a guest was unhappy um, because a couple of other guests weren't wearing masks. Um, so they asked for a manager. The manager came out from the back and uh, had their mask pulled down because they were in the back alone um, and they forgot to pull their mask back up. Right. Okay. And now they just, by not doing that, they just exacerbated a, an already upset situation, upset guest, because the guest is already mad about mask. And now they're talking to a manager who forgot to pull their mask back up. Right. So that kind of turned into a thing. Obviously it was a mistake. Um, shouldn't have happened, especially, you know, with everything that's going on, you know, we're trying to establish a safe reputation for our company and, and we are doing a lot of great things, but um, you know, my supervisor talked to me about it and then, 
oh, I don't know, a week or two later, we had a, um, a region conference call, but our CEO was on the call. What was it that? It was a call of some kind, but there was a lot of people on the call. And mm -hmm. in, a, in a way of, you know, trying to look out for others so that they don't hit that landmine, you know, I took, I kind of took one for the team and told everybody about that mistake. And I took ownership. It was my screw up. I'm the general manager. I have to take ownership for everything that happens in the theater. So I told everybody what happened. It's embarrassing as I'm embarrassed, mm -hmm. you know, saying the story on, on a podcast, but you know, mistakes are going to happen from time to time. And I wanted others to learn that lesson the easier way so that they don't have to deal with the same thing I had to deal with. You know? So I just, I think owning, owning those kind of mistakes and, and being heads up about it, I think is a very positive things for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And back to reputation. Yes. Yeah. Right. Your, your reputation as a manager, mine as an officer is critical, is critical to my long-term success. Mm -hmm. um, such that when I do make a mistake, people go, oh, wow, he's human. It, it's okay. Yeah. He, he, he made a mistake. He had a rough day, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, I, I was looking at my notes and I, and I wanted to brainstorm empathy a little bit and, and you know, think about customer service ways and, and how to really show empathy and not take things personally. Mm. Um, I think one of my strengths is I, I don't take things personally and I can be creative. Um, in, in my law enforcement context, I, I teach younger cops. As long as what I'm saying is legal, moral, and ethical, I'll do it. No holds barred. I will do it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, think about how that relates to a customer. And I always try to agree with somebody in an argument on every point that I can. Mm -hmm. So this, this customer's mad about something or, or frankly calls me stupid. You are, I mean, I'm in an interview one time and, and I'm learning about what this person did in a, in a serious situation. And they're like, you got to be the stupidest cop I've ever talked to. And certainly to most people, be it a, them, a cop, a theater manager, or whatever service person, that's directly insulting. Yeah. So my answer was, you're right. I probably am the dumbest cop you've ever dealt with. <laughs> so, so, I mean, because this person is poking at me, they're trying to bait trying me to get a rise into an overreaction. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I have to do the best I can. You're right. I, I probably am the dumbest cop you've ever talked to. Yeah. So explain to me exactly what this means. And in the context of my interview, the person told me the truth about what happened in the incident that led to a significant confession. But in, in the other context of a, of a service situation, that person's trying to bait you into, into a, a confrontation or a rise. Mm -hmm. your, your service here has got to be the slowest in the industry. This is the craziest I've ever seen. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you telling me how you feel, sir. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean. That's not what they expect. Right. It diffuses them. Yeah. You bet. They expect defense. We're not the slowest here. I, but, you know, they expect you to, to try to logically refute their claim. Mm -hmm. Well, in a service situation, there's no value in yeah. because this person is not acting logically. They're acting emotionally. And, and having messed this up a thousand times, meeting emotion with logic never wins. No. That's why I'm divorced. Uh, for, <laughs> <laughs> fair <laughs> fair that's funny 
so so that's that's where let's not let's not try to do that let's try to help them lower their level of emotion hey sir i can see you're really frustrated about the the how slow the line is working or the whatever i didn't get the right order i can see this is really frustrating you so let's talk about what we can do to make it better yeah it does have to be genuine though i've i've learned the hard way because you know we're all trained to to be empathetic in a situation but if if there's even a hint of disingenuineness that's a word uh they pick up on that you know and then they think you're mocking them and so you really do have to watch you have to watch your tone when you do it and your verbiage when you do it at least in my experience um because you truly oh, I, want to de-escalate it, yeah. I think it's critical. I think you're exactly right. The the slightest hint of mockery mm-hmm. re-escalates the situation. Yeah. Um, in crisis negotiations, we're we're taught not to lie, not to not to tell somebody you can do something that you can't. Um, and it applies to your industry too. We can't make a promise we can't keep. Mm-hmm. We might have to tell a customer, I'm not sure if I can do that for you, sir. I'm going to have to contact the supervisor, yeah. but I'm really hearing what you're saying to me. Why don't I take your information down and we'll have a manager call you back. Yeah. Um, sometimes I have to come right out and ask somebody, hey, let me ask this. What does success look like to you? Um, and that might be after we've had quite a bit of discussion about whatever this customer service issue is. And frankly, I might not be able to achieve success for that person. Yeah. I mean, based on a law enforcement context or a theater <laughs> rule in your circumstance, but, but now I know because perhaps this person has spent five minutes in an emotionally charged rant mm-hmm. and I'm going to listen and I'm going to do everything I can to, to ask clarifying questions that truly show interest. Yeah. Because along the way, I'm actually going to find out what's really wrong. Right. Because sometimes what we say is wrong is the superficial answer. Yeah. And if I ask some clarifying questions, two things happen. A, I find out what the real problem is. And then B, they really see the empathy. Wow, this person's not like I've been treated before. Yeah, absolutely. So they actually, seems like they really do care. And then when I have to say, okay, I understand what you're telling me. That's not store policy. So I'm not going to be able to honor that. Is there something that you think you and I can do to to split the difference, to work yeah. together um, and achieve an outcome. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to lay it on the table and go, what does success look like to you, sir? Yeah. I think that that calls back to what you were saying at the beginning of the podcast too, which is listening, you know? So empathy is super important, but just the sheer act of listening and, and not, not waiting to talk, but truly listening and asking clarifying questions, make sure you understand the situation <clears throat> and and like you said, a lot of times the complaint isn't, it's the superficial reason, you know, and there's some sort of underlying cause. And sometimes that underlying cause may not even be anything that we did. It could be something that happened 10 minutes before they walked into the theater, you know, Spot that on. I have zero control over. But like you said, the, the act of listening and being empathetic and, and caring can de-escalate a situation and diffuse a situation. So then you can find, hopefully some common, you know, common ground and a solution to the situation, I think. So. I think you just hit another nail on the head. What's the real problem? Or you don't know all the background. That person drove to your theater to go to the movies because they didn't really want to see the movie, but they had an argument with their spouse, blah, 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 you know, some other situation. So they brought a whole lot of information, a whole lot of backstory that you don't know anything about. Yeah. So the problem might not really be the customer service 
issue. It might be the three hours before that, and they happen to show up at your theater. Mm-hmm. The customer service that, issue created, you know, was the straw. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that that's where trying to logic this person is is not helpful right. because right. Your, your manager might be looking at the customer service problem and acknowledging that it really wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but to tell them that is not going to help resolve the oh, situation. Oh, it'll make it worse. Yeah. Totally make it worse. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Versus, hey, let's let this go. Let's let this person vent their struggles. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I can get them off to the corner so we're not in the middle of the theater yeah. lobby, you know, however I can do that. And, and then what can I do to resolve this situation? Yeah. It's Which interesting. Ties full circle into, go ahead, sir. It, it ties us full circle into it's not personal. Yes. It, it, the, the issue might not even be the theater or the, whatever the case may be. It's the two hours beforehand. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it is interesting, you know, when you have younger, whether it's younger in age or younger in experience, folks dealing uh, with customer service concerns, um, it's interesting how little critical thinking goes into it sometimes and reading the situation, because I think that's important as well. You know, beyond just listening and being empathetic, you need to, to, to read cues, as you mentioned before, and, and, and identify when a situation is, is escalating, you know, and, and hopefully mitigate it before it goes too far. And then I, I bring this up, as, there's an example uh, that I can use where um, this situation happened a while back where a guest came in um, and, and some theaters enforce a stroller policy. You know, because if you bring a stroller into an auditorium, it can be a safety issue if it's blocking a pathway or, or something of that nature. And uh, in, in, in my experience, I haven't heavily enforced it in the sense that I don't allow them in the building at all. Um, I usually just find an, an option for them. You know, hey, we can put it in a closet. We can put it over here or whatever. Put it in a wheelchair space if it's available. It's out of the way, you know. Um, and uh, a manager that I knew of just enforced that policy so heavily that it was kind of absurd because they, it, it was clearly upsetting the guest, you know, to the point where the guest is starting to be sarcastic, you know, about it because one of the, one of the suggestions was, Hey, just, uh, just lock it out on the bike rack. And it's like, if you had a stroller and you brought it in and a manager told you to lock it up to the bike rack, how do you think you would react you know, right. <laughs> and, uh, and the response from the guest was something to the effect of, Oh darn, I forgot my bike lock today. <laughs> right. you know? And you know, so the, the situation didn't need to escalate to the point where it did, you know, it's like find, and, and I guess that goes to my overall point, which is you need to find ways to say yes, as opposed to reasons to say no, you know, there's, of course there's policy everywhere you look, you know, whether it's a refund policy, a bag policy, whatever it is, there's policies, there's laws, there's things like that. But policies, you can find alternatives, you know, you can find compromise, things like that, which I'm sure you probably do in your, in your job is find compromise sometimes. Um, but definitely well, read the situation and don't escalate it for no reason. Let's dig deeper into that. I think that that is a very fine point for your listeners mm-hmm. to know. Let's not tell people what they can't do. Let's tell them what they can do. Yeah. Um, I, another little cop story, you know, CSU football is a, is a big deal. And especially prior to the on-campus stadium, we would direct traffic. And there would be a 
significant traffic modification to the way the whole thing goes, but it's been going on for 20 years. It's published in the newspaper. It's published on social media. That great lengths are taken to inform the neighbors to how the traffic will change on game day. I used to as live well right. as the list of totally the list of games. So I mean, the 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 pre-planning effort was significant, but inevitably you would get somebody who would want to go against the cones against. And there's, yeah. I mean, it's a safety issue. There's yeah. cars everywhere, and young cop would say, "You can't go that direction." And, and now an argument has ensued. Well, I want to go, I, I want to turn right. Mm-hmm. You can't turn right. Well, I want to turn right. You can't turn right. <laughs> and I'm like, where's, where's this going? Yeah. <laughs> Other than my neck is getting sore because it's like a tennis match. A tennis match, right? exactly. Totally. Wait, how about if we tell them what they can do? Yeah. Hey, sir, what's your destination? Well, I need to go to this address and the road's blocked. Okay, now I understand because the reroute is here. If you just go this way and that way, we'll get you to your house. So rather than telling them what they cannot do, I've told them what they can do, which is part of finding a solution, right? Yep. It's funny. I've been in that exact situation before as the driver, obviously, and, and I've experienced both sides. I've experienced what you just did, which is offer an alternative. And then I've experienced the younger cop basically saying, yeah, you can't go this way. And I'm pissed because... I'm running late or I'm going to be late because of this. I don't know where I am. You know, it's like, well, do you want to give me a little bit of help here? It's like, that's fine if I can't go that way, but maybe guide me a little bit, not just shut me down and piss me off, you know? Right. Yeah. No value. No. Because eventually I'm going to have to help you figure out what you're going to do. One way or another. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I prefer to do it out of cuffs. (laughs) So. Yeah, Totally. Um, I wanted to talk about good experience for young people and, and your, your theaters are really good at teaching young people customer service experience. Um, that might not be the market of this podcast, but, but the parents that listen should go tell their kids. Um, a service job for a teenager is such a wonderful experience, yeah. especially in a text message online world where Very much so, yeah. um, I, I have an 18 year old that, that is off at college right now and her, her big personality change was being a waitress at a nursing home mm-hmm. so i mean think about that we're we're at an assisted living center where there's the same people every day who are very set in their ways mm-hmm. and some of them have uh, levels of dementia so she really had to learn how to and she is taking orders so to speak because they're bringing food to the table to the to these folks and and some of them remember her as that pretty blonde girl that's all right she even though she has a name tag on so she had to learn to deal with that i I, you know some people know my name some uh some people call me the pretty blonde girl and it's i can't take offense to that it is what it is yeah um she really gained some quality experience and, and then COVID came and you know as that was starting some of the rules changed and she would come home and tell me these stories about dad it was stressful today because we don't put water pitchers on the table anymore because of COVID. So I hand deliver the water and to, you know, Margaret, Karen, (laughs) who has been doing it the same way for the last three years that she's lived here, this is a change and she's not happy about it. Mm -hmm. Something as simple as water. And it really helped her as a, as a young person, um, learn some customer service skills, all the things that we've talked about today. It's not personal to me. And I'm going to see this person tomorrow again. 
and I, I need to be empathetic. And old people want to sit and talk sometimes. And she really had to learn the balance of, okay, I need to give Charlie a, a minute of my time because he wants to tell me something. But yet I also have 10 other tables and right. people waiting for me. So I need to find the right balance of yeah. making Charlie feel heard at what he wants to talk about today versus I don't have all day to talk to Charlie. And, and so to the parents out there, hey, any service job for your young person, a theater or whatever the case may be is really good. Yeah, I agree. I have, I've always been a firm believer in that. I think every single, every single individual in this country should have to either wait tables, work retail or work in a theater or something along those lines so that they have to experience that because I do feel like it, it gives perspective for sure you know, and teaches, teaches quite a bit. Totally. So that, that came to a head when I dropped her off at college and, she, and certainly dropping, it's my fourth child to go to college. So it's not nude, but yet it's a COVID experience. Mm -hmm. And she had received some gifts from graduation through Target and they were supposed to have been delivered to the college. And the short story is there was a problem with that. And Six months earlier, I would have had to make that phone call to customer service for her yeah. and, and figure it all out because she would have not known what to say and would yeah. have said that, I, I, I'm going to freak out, Dad. And she called. She sat down. She dealt with all of it. And I'm like sitting in the background wanting to give advice. And, and I, but she it, it goes to me that she doesn't need it. Yeah, yeah. And she hangs up and I said, I, I don't know what to say other than, wow. <laughs> wow, yeah. That, and she said exactly what you said, Dad. I'm a service person. I deal with customers every day. Yeah. I know what to do now. And I know how to treat the person on the phone who's a fellow customer service person. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I can yeah. leave her at college. My work is done. <laughs> My daughter is, uh, she's a hostess at the Lazy Dog over by Shields in uh, mm -hmm. Loveland. And not to, to hone in on the mask thing too much, but that was, that's the number one thing she's had to deal with. And she's, 17, almost 18, um, but she's very small in stature. You know, she looks younger than she is. And it's amazing the abuse that she has had to take, you know, from, from the customers walking in who don't want to wear masks or whatever. But uh, my point is that she is learning, you know, what it's like to be in the service industry and how to overcome, you know, a lot of that stuff. And I think she's going to take that with her for a long time because she's a little... I don't know. I don't want to say socially awkward. She just doesn't like dealing with social situations. Sometimes she's an introvert. Sure. And, uh, and I think this is teaching her a lot. So, um, we came up on an hour already. It goes very, very fast. Um, it does. before we wrap up, is there, do you have anything else that you want to kind of throw out there real quick uh, as a last bit of a, a advice or something to walk away with? You know, I'm always going to, throw a cop twist out there and ask sure. members of the public, <clears throat> you know, it's a tough time right now. So think about how the men and women in law enforcement are, are working hard to do a good job. And, and I would expand that a little wider. My, my spouse is a probation officer. Um, Pre-COVID, she did a, a one meeting with 20 new probation clients. Post-COVID, she does 20 individual meetings wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, to get that person into the system so they get the services that they need. So I, I know it's a tough time in the world right now and, and we're all struggling with different things, but I, I'm always going to throw out, please respect your men and women of law enforcement. They are, they're doing their job to the best that they, they can, whether they're a blue suit 
or a probation person or a dispatcher or whoever the case may be. They're working hard to give you good service in, in really crazy circumstances. So yeah. Yeah. I, I would end on that note. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jim. I really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. You take care. That's the podcast, folks. If you're a fan of Karen Isn't Always Right, you can show your support in two ways. First, please share with your friends and get them listening. Also, please feel free to donate by going to anchor.fm forward slash chris-fry, that's F-R-E-Y, forward slash support. Please visit kairpodcast.com, K-I-A-R podcast.com, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. New episodes are posted weekly on kairpodcast.com, anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple, and pretty much wherever you can listen to a podcast. The views and opinions on this podcast are solely that of the guest and the host and are not representative of any organizations or individuals. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.